say off the top, I'm not sure that this is acapella. It has a bass and snare drum. Okay, sorry, Hunter. What do you want to talk about again? Can we do my genre instead? Not capella? Hunter? Hunter? Um, not capella, Hunter? Oh, great. Hunter? You, you fucking killed Hunter. He's got blood coming out of his nose. Uh, I got blood coming out of my ears from last week. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> so let's listen to the original OK Pella. Let's do some more vocal group shit. Uh, well, no, we'll start. Well, okay, listen, guys. 80s Billy Joel doo-wop sucks. I, I, per- I personally much prefer the nylon curtain, but that's not why we're diggity doo-wop here today. Whoa! We're here to talk about fake news. That's right, fake news. That's no, wrong intro. No. Sorry. That's the other podcast. We'll get to fake news later. Uh, wait, okay. So I'm going to pres- presuppose that we all accept the 50s renaissance in the 1980s. Sure, of course. Mm-hmm. Okay. Movies like Diner, Back to the Future, Grease 2. Yeah, American Graffiti. Sure. The 50s that was the 70s. American Graffiti was, yeah, 75, well, I think. Grease 2, Dave. George Lucas always was a forward thinker. The 50s party in my elementary school gymnasium. Yeah. yeah. That classic American di- 50s diner, Johnny, Johnny Rockets. That run, founded in 1986. Peggy Sue got married. Yeah. This doo-wop song? Yeah. 1983. Uh, so why was this shit the soundtrack for the yuppies? Well, they loved the 50s, goddammit. That was before they turned into hairy assholes and believed they could change the world, man. They were pure. And I just want to say one word to you guys. One word. Are you listening? I'm listening. Plastics. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. And that eventually the- those assholes did. And it was time to make some goddamn money. Yeah, 1980s. And at the same time as this yuppie wave, a new sound had sprung up from post-punk, post-disco, and post-electronic. All the posts that have already rejected those shit-brained hippie idealists. <laughs> this was called the new wave. And these cool kids also grew up in the 50s and early 60s, and they didn't have no Woodstock. Mm-mm. They had the MTV and a giant teenage market. Mm-hmm. And you know what teenagers had no fucking idea about? The 50s? The 50s! Yeah, I got it! Yeah, you can totally recycle that sound with today's fashions and electric zap zap skateboards and guitars, and it would be fresh. That's right. I would have pre-electronic. Also, the what? There weren't electronic in- instruments back then? Pre-electronic. What was? You said post-electronic. It was the dawn of electronics. Oh, okay. Anyway, Good continue. Good catch, Steve. Uh, <laughs> so it would be fresh. Let's add it right there. And also, the yuppies would buy <laughs> would buy the fuck out of it because they wanted some fresh zap zip doo wop with my ding ding money making machine. That's right. Fifties and eighties. You got those fresh cats on MTV selling the kids the 50s, and you got the olds buying it because fuck hippies. Everybody's making goddamn money. A capitalist just bull marketed all over his pinstripes. But you know what? 80s Billy Joel doo-wop sucked. Agreed. It wasn't modern. It wasn't new. He just made old doo-wop in the goddamn 80s. What a fucking square that guy was. I can't sell any of that crap to those kids, Mm-mm. those new kids, those new waivers. square. Well, that was later. Oh, okay. So let's talk about the good stuff, the mix, the dude-doing, finger-snapping, electrifying, checkered-tie-wearing sound of the mid-80s. Let's talk about that new op. 
I'm done. Oh, great. Beyond Yacht Rock. This is the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. This is the only podcast on the internet that creates musical genres, and we count down the best songs in those genres. My name is J.D. Riznar. Hollywood Steve's over there. Hi, I'm Hollywood Steve over here. And here's David Lyons. Hey, David Lyons coming at you. Hunter Stare. Yep. Uh, because you love Yacht Rock so much, and we invented that genre, we like to throw a bone to it every week. Steve, what are we listening to right, right this second? Not Steve. Dave picked this one. Dave, yeah. what the heck is this song? <laughs> this is Al Jarreau and George Benson. Wait, hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. What is this? Wait, feet in the ground. Wait, is this is this breezing with is lyrics? This is fucking breezing with lyrics, bro. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? This is, well, this is the me, reason why I didn't have lyrics. <laughs> let me tell you. In 2006, sometimes yacht rockers Al Jarreau and George Benson decided to release an album together. It was an album of covers of their own songs and others, but this was the first track, and it's fucking nuts. I'm pretty sure that Al Jarreau is just scatting off the top of his head as George Benson plays Breezin', but it's work. It works. It's smooth, and I kind of dig it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You still remember how to spell Jarreau? I do. J-A-R-R-E-A-U. He looked at the ceiling, folks. The only other person of note on this song is Paulino da Costa, but he doesn't really count because you can say that about 10,000 other songs. It's like saying anybody, everybody who breathes is Yacht Rock. No. It's also 2006. Yeah. Did I not say that? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's, it's yeah, listen, hard to it get the post old crew back electronic. together. <laughs> oh, now I get it. Thank you, Hunter. So this is post-electronic 2006, yacht. Paulino da Costa has been mechanized by this time. Oh. Let me see if we I can, can find... We said we could rebuild him, and we did. <laughs> and we could. <laughs> Let me see if I can find this part that I was listening to while you guys were yapping. Polly DeConnell. Yeah. Finally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's calling everybody out. Listen, Everybody's he, breezing. He only He's wrote like, five <laughs> sentences and then just said stuff that he saw around him. I'm Al fucking Jerome. I need one lyric and I can make up the fucking rest. Oh, yeah. He's like, one, two, three, four, five. Keep breezing alive. Can I get a That's suggestion from the audience? Okay, breezing. I heard breezing. All right, here we go. Uh, Improv. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a lot. Uh, this is a lot of modern day yacht rock done by original dudes. Uh, it's a lot like that stuff, like like Steely Dan or, or Jar. Right, these older Jar. Guys get in the Jar zone. Doing um, yacht rock today. Uh, but you can't take these two, even if it's 2006, and leaning towards smooth jazz production and not give this at least a 51 on the Yahtzee scale. I give it a uh, 60. Fellas, quick number for the record. Oh, I'll say uh, 68. All right. From Dave. 52. All right. Dave? 53. All right. All right. Write that down, somebody. One dollar. All right. This album contains the most Yacht Rock version of Summer Breeze you'll ever hear. So take the original Summer Breeze off your garbage Yacht Rock playlist. It's Yacht Rock. This comes closer to the boat from this album, Al Jarreau and George Benson. I love that these guys are still creating Yacht Rock together. You know, while scat singing certainly doesn't make something yacht, you can certainly feel how damn smooth this is, especially right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I'd love to float along with my best coxswain steering, sip on a Singapore sling, and enjoy this song. Not pure yacht, but, oh, I already said 68, but I'll, uh, I appreciate it keeping the fire well into 2006. Yeah. 
he's really piling on the good scat here. <laughs> They're just going back. And we forth. know that this is all improv because he can't recreate it. No. There's video evidence of yeah. that. Oh, one take, Jiro. All right. Um, Want to talk about new op? Yeah. Let's briefly, before we talk about the new op, talk about the doo op. This is old wop. Yes. This is doo op. I thought for 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 a long time, for the longest time, that that for the longest time bullshit, you know, it was that was what acapella was. It was all, or excuse me, doo wop was. It was all acapella and finger snaps and harmonies and doo wops like these guys are doing. But no, there was some instrumentation there. So let's shatter that misconception right here at the top. This is Dion and the Belmonts with "I Wonder Why." I bring that up because today we are definitely going to be hearing some instruments. Thank, Thank Christ. God. Yes, that's right. This is the <laughs> least amount of instruments we'll hear today. Uh, and you know what? I found a fun fact. There is a subset of doo-wop groups with bird names. Perhaps I can spin that off to a genre called uh, bird do. Not a yeah, bad who knows? Idea. No one knows. <laughs> oh, I, love okay. old, I love old time music. Yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> Fuck it's you, your brand. Fella. It's your personal brand, JD. No, <laughs> this is this is an amazing song. Yeah, this is great. This yeah. is awesome. So you can pretty much hear what makes a doo-wop song. Vocal ha- harmonies, made-up words used as the rhythm substitutes like do or wop. Uh, <laughs> oh, just like in acapella music. Well... <sighs> <laughs> they were they but they were in acapella they're like they're mimicking the instruments. This is like their own kind That's of That's true. Yeah. It's this is designed to I mean, this is like out on the street corner. Yes. Like you're not imitating anything. You're just singing out on the street yeah. corner together. This is back when gangs were cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> they really sung. cool. Yeah. Like legitimately yeah. cool. Let's yeah. get around and, this and you know what else they did? They snapped their fingers. Yeah. You want to yeah. know why? Because these songs have simple beats that could be snapped or clapped to. Let's stand around a barrel fire and harmony. Yeah. Fellas. Or maybe we hit a snare, and that, and they all, always did that on the upbeat most of the time. Uh, there were typical chord progressions, but I'm uh, too dumb to know exactly what they were, but they're there. Uh, <clears throat> also, uh, wait, I'm reading your line. Uh, and the last thing, we'll move on. As we were talking about that uh, barrel, it's a big city sound. This was primed for busking and showing off on the street corners and subways. Yeah. This wasn't a bar sound or a barn sound. Or really a church sound. It was a pop music sound of the streets. The big city, specifically New York City. Would you say it was the first rap? Absolutely. Because it's from the streets. Very nice. Back when gangs were just hoodlums and ruffians. Okay, so moving on here. Uh, This is a clear doo-wop opening. But, hear that? Modernization. Uh, yeah, you got Walter the, Meyer just showed up. <laughs> you got the keys and the synth. Well, it's Greg Fillin Games with Countdown Below. Uh, you got the keys and the synth and the programmed hand claps, which are very important to new up because you still need some, some of those hand claps in there. Uh, I chose this to start because it's not fully new oppy. Uh, while there is that new uh, newness, it's all too clear that this is a doo-wop song, which is important. Which is, I, I guess, this may be a hard concept to grasp. New op hides its past better. It's it's covert, not overt. 
Uh, in fact, you may not even know that a lot of these songs were, uh, have doo-wop influences until today. Uh, and these are huge hits. Uh, so you've heard these a lot. You may not even have thought about this. Uh, and in that big city thing, I brought that up because it's important. Is that, uh, a lot of these guys, uh, pretty much every one of them, uh, are from the big city. There's no uh, country boys on here doing any songs. Uh, no Heartland, no Rust Belt uh, rockers. Uh, their 50s and 60s influences were a little different. They're bluesy and country. Uh, today you're going to hear a lot of doo-doo-doos and wop-wop-wop, nonsense words, vocal harmonies that I talked about. Then on the chorus, you're going to hear the background break and sing some of the actual lyrics. I wish I had something to add to this uh, description, but this genre is totally in your brain. Uh, coming from oldie time music, I don't particularly care for. What? I thought you loved oldie time music. I was being sarcastic. Aww. I'm excited to sit back and learn, though, Hunter. I'm okay. excited to hear these more modern songs incorporating a doo-wop style. I, I, from this list, I was having a little trouble piecing the genre together in my head. So I'm looking forward to a long, fruitful episode of you re-explaining it to me while I counter with a lot of pedantic carping about the selection. So it's just the songs. Do you understand what what would make a new op song? I feel like I understand what you're going for. I'm not sure I understand how some of these songs quite fit. Okay. Well, and this is, keep in mind, this is the guy who thinks Jim Photoglow's folk song is Yacht Rock. Exactly. <laughs> Remember that. If anything, it was a country song, not a folk okay. song. Okay. Uh, oh, that's the closest he's had come yep. to that's, admit it. That's my version of O.J. Simpson's If I Did It. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to say, Hunter, oh, is... You, I have to, you have to queue up a third song here, J.D. I'll, just, I'll start this one again. Okay. A good way, a good way to tell these songs if you go do do up. If you can do that to can them. Can you do that to mm-hmm. this song? Yeah. Do 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 wop wop. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. I guess it holds. Your your argument holds water. Yeah. I'll, I'll point them out as we go through. Oh, I, I love it. I, I love hearing work. it. So, we talked too much about uh, doo-wop and a little bit of the new wop about hiding it, but, but there's this new wave thing that I have to talk about. I brought it up in the intro. Um, I'm not going to... I wasn't going to play a third song. I, I guess we could have, because we're playing this one over. Um, Ooh, play something by Thin Lizzy. <laughs> uh, it, it's, new wave is really a catch-all term that describes anti-hippie, post-punk, pro-pop, pro-synth sound of the late 70s and 80s. Um, it was like a rebirth of pop music like, for yeah, and for part of that rebirth of a plastic new age like, in the eighties, like this. Yeah, exactly like this. This would have been the new the new wave sound. I would have uh, out of touch by Van Halen. Or Van, yes, Van Hall Halen. Halen. They're amazing. Yeah, Hall and Oates. What the heck is wrong with me? I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be well on this on this episode, guys. It's gonna be weird. To say wrong things is gonna be weird. It's okay. Continue. It's okay. I'm gonna say a lot of wrong things too. I I, I think. Great. Um, so today's artists all have a new wave roots or or influence or influenced by new uh, 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 new wave. Uh, looking for new op material. Uh, there is an overwhelming connection between doo-wop and new wave artists, and I think you touched on it, Steve, by saying that it was the rebirth of pop music. Yeah, and that was a real rebirth of 
I think a lot of it was focused on the 60s, but there was some of that late 50s pop in yeah. there, too. Yeah, they could go back and draw from really anything and kind of reinvent it for this this new hip modern age. And, and there was really, uh, they're drawing a, a lot of 50s iconography, like, for instance, like ska, which was part of that new wave type mm-hmm. stuff. They wore all those checkerboard patterns and stuff. At, that's straight out of the 50s. Anyways. Yeah, and the skinny ties on, skinny, on all the yeah. power pop yeah. bands. It was definitely there. Um, so I couldn't I couldn't ignore the connection between the two. Um, and then guys like Phil and Gaines, uh, who was more soul, R&B, or yacht rock, he definitely, that synth pop, he had a synth pop new wave influence on his work at the time. And Hall & Oates definitely had a, had a new wave thing. Um, anyways... Consider this song number 11 here because I think this has a very uh, doo woppy groove to it. Doo wop, doo doo wop, doo doo wop, doo doo wop, doo doo wop. So, anyways, let's get to the new wop uh, songs here. Number 10, Nintendo. Oh, that was great. All right. So, uh, I know I said all these songs were hits, but, but this one wasn't really, but it was a single, so it wasn't for the lack of trying. Good, good work, Dave. Uh, this, is, uh, this is Cindy Lauper with Maybe He'll Know from 1986's uh, True Colors, and fun fact about uh, this one, it's a remake of a song Cindy released with her first band, Blue Angel which was a rockabilly band out of New York City. So do you think she's like throwing a bone to her old band, trying to get some residues for her old friends? You know, I hate to say it, but this might be album filler, something around outside A, or she was also sued into bankruptcy by her former Blue Angel well, manager. Well, they, So this might be like a part of a settlement. Well, that, or a, that, that was a true fact you just said. Yeah. They, she was it's sued. Not, it's not an improvised fact <laughs> of the type that you're known no, for. No, guys, I, this, this is part of that part scripted. Well, the actual first, research. Yeah, but the first part of that about it being uh, album filler it was released as a single I think this was this was the last single yes released. but there was I, and so I'm saying maybe there wasn't a predetermined well like plan to release this as a single I think maybe they got to the the, the tail end uh, what, what else was on this True, well True Colors obviously <laughs> okay so I'm gonna say that I think this would have been what they would were pegging on Blue Angel was supposed to be a hit hit band and it and it failed I think this was supposed to be their big single off of it and so they just recycled it for her solo <laughs> so I accept your argument and I'm willing to concede it uh, does feel a little bit slight to me though like it's I not, am uh, now back on Steve's side hey, it's not, hey guys hey guys I want to point out something here mm-hmm. hear that in the background a do, the doo wop yeah. thing in the background yeah. that's Billy Joel so this is the oh, only oh. Billy Joel you're going to get today oh, wow. okay you know what now that that's Billy Joel that I know he's singing background, then absolutely this was intended yeah. to be a single. Yeah. Um, I think that Cindy Lauper was my childhood crush, guys. She you did think so? Yeah, but then I, I loved her in Girls Just Want to Have Fun, but then she did a video for one of her ballads with a dude who played her boyfriend, and I was heartbroken. Yeah, I had a big old crush on her, too. Uh, fight for her? Fuck, fight, whatever. Yeah. You guys sound pretty aggravated with each other. I'm aggravated. All right, the tensions are... Running hot tonight. A little warm. I'm going to unzip my hoodie. Yeah. Here we, we're going to fight now. Here we yeah. go. Oh, this is the perfect fighting music here. You guys should figure something out. <laughs> this yeah, is, this is a West Side yeah. Story kind of You guys fight. are going to rumble right here in the studio. Taking my shirt off. Here we go. Ooh. 
you hoodlums. Look at that. Ready to fight. Uh, do I need to make any points on this? Uh, Cindy Lauper was, uh, was born in the 50s, so she would have had an influence of hearing doo-wop mu- uh, music in New York City the same way that maybe uh, we had an influence, Cindy Lauper had an influence on, say, us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and now we're playing it today, so you would you would imagine that she'd want to throw a, throw a bone to some doo-wop in her own music. Yeah. You know, she, she's hard to understand. I can't ever tell yeah. what she's singing. You know, I went for she, years without knowing what the lyrics to Girls Just Want to Have Fun were, and I heard that song 500 times because yeah, of my I, sister's I still know routines. the Weird Al version. I know the words to the Weird Al version uh, better than the Cindy Lauper version. Well, I wanted to let Cindy know that if she was trying to let young uh, young boy J.D. Riznar know that she had a crush on me by making the Girls Just Want to Have Fun video, and uh, you were thinking maybe he'll know, uh, trust me, he knew... Uh, I also know about your boyfriend in that next video you did. Uh, you're a prick tease, Cindy. Mm-hmm. Leave me alone. Dave, you can have her. Nah. Mm. I got someone better. To justify this just briefly, uh, you definitely hear like a bit of a ska two-tone in this. So oh, you get yeah. That, you, you can, can pick that, it up. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm picking it up. You get, you, so you get a little of that modern, your modern thing in there, and then you get the doo-wop. And so this is what makes it a new op song. This one I get. I totally get why this is on there. Oh, great. Oh, it's not Steve, a, Steve's it's, approval. I No, I'm just saying I'm not stupid about this one. <laughs> I hear it. I, I get what you're throwing down. Oh. Number nine. You know what, Cindy Lauper, you were saying about how you didn't uh, couldn't understand her? Yeah. I thought for my entire childhood, I thought she was British. Yeah, her her New York accent was so thick. (laughs) I thought she was from England. And also, so many of the bands prevalent in that scene at the time, I I feel like... Like who, Dave? I don't know, like Blondie would adopt uh, an English accent. I thought you were going to say, like Elvis Costello. Oh, shit, that was my chance at a really good segue. Yeah. Fucked it up. Okay, so here's our Uh, first... (laughs) Edit... Here's our, okay, edit. And, and we're back. And we're going. Uh, so here's our first real hit. This is Elvis Costello and the Attractions. Every day I write the book, uh, which reached number 33 on the Billboard Top 40. Is that the same as the Top 100 minus 60? Yes. Okay, yes. great. Uh, in 1983, uh, so it's his first charting single in the U.S. and I believe the U.K. Uh, this is off Punch the Clock with background vocalists uh, Claudia Fontaine and Karen Wheeler, uh, who sang, as Steve brought this up before, who Sang on the Soul to Soul hit Back to Life. Back to Life. Yep. Yeah, we brought we brought that up. On, she uh, we talked about uh, Free Nelson Mandela in the yes. Af- Africa Dabra mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. I can't believe that Steve's just letting this spelling of Karen go by without telling us what it is. I mean, Karan, do, do you need to know? You you normally you seem to think the audience needs to know. No, I, I let them know when there's a, when there are, there are homophones. Well, one time I spelled Greg with two G's, Greg with one G. Oh, yeah, I probably corrected you on that. How do you see, Now the audience is on the edge of their seat. Steve, how does Karen spell her name? C-A-R-O-N. That's a crazy way to spell yeah, Karen. Yeah, it sure is. It's like Karan Butler. Yeah, yeah, basketball exactly. Fans, so. exactly. Uh, uh, so Elvis said he wrote this song as a joke. He was mocking self-conscious pop songs, and it took him 10 minutes to write. Um, and this is something that I would like to... Uh, 
to bring up that a lot of these songs, going back to that early pop song, they're very simple songs about love. Much All, like a lot of early rock and roll, it's a lot of very simple yes. songs. And that's what doo-wop was and those early 60s pop songs. They were all just short, simple songs about love, not high-concept shit. Uh, so his uh, producer ended up liking it, so they took it uh, seriously and released it. Um, he said that it was supposed to have a Mersey beat sound with modern R&B production. Um, Elvis was at a loss describing what the Mersey beat is exactly, but he said it sounds like sped-up doo-wop to him. So that's what he's doing on here. And you, I, I think you can really hear it, especially at the end. And the modern production that he was adding uh, is what uh, wouldn't doo-wop would be. You know I, don't, I don't hear the doo-wop, but I'm bad at this. You're right? getting, we're going to get to it. It's a little okay. easier at the end. I never hear the R&B influence either. And so I like when people go like, oh, the Who and the Rolling Stones are so R&B. Uh, oh. I don't know. I don't get it, but... More the early a, stuff with those bands, I think. Yeah, but even that, it just sounds like white guys. I, just, I don't know. Yeah, they sound like they're British. Yeah. I'm trying to play... They're R&B. so R&B. So here's the part, I would say. Do-wop, do-wop, do-wop. No, you don't do the do-wops here. This is more that when they break from the do-wops... Oh, okay. They repeat the actual words in the in the chorus to back up, and the harmonies to back up the lead singer. Anything else on this one, guys? Yeah, the uh, uh, good argument for, for Nuwop is uh, the Monotones, who wrote the Book of Love classic doo-wop song. He's kind of borrowing the structure of that, talking about chapter one, chapter two. And he also named himself Elvis and was uh, looked like the reincarnation of Buddy Holly, so he was no stranger to 50s iconography. Oh, I'd say I not. Just, I don't hear it in there, though. I, it, it, to me, that sounded more like a Sophistapop song. That happen to have backing vocalists. Would you say Sophistapop would be sort of a fringe uh, new wave? Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely related to descended Beautiful. from. Would, related, you, kind of, would you say Sophista Funk is Guy Fieri's favorite band? I would definitely say that. Then we are all back in agreement. I give this song a 31 on the Frank Stallone greasy meatball new wop motherfucker scale. Of course, was the wrong. Number. Mm-hmm. Here's the bumper we want to hear. That's, there's a lot of wrong. These today. are really cool bumpers. Right. I really like these bumpers. I was right to talk over that other one then. Okay. <laughs> uh, so here's our first real band. So you know they have ready-made backing vocals. This is the Bengals with "Walking Down the Street," their third biggest your hit. Your street. Or "Walking Down Your Street," the third biggest hit off the 1986's "Different Light" album, which was uh, number one in the Billboard Top, or number 11 in the Billboard Top 100. Uh, they were going din da da din da. It's a doo-wop. I get it. I hear this one. Yeah. It's an easy one. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it has kind of a bounce. It's got a little bit of a bounce like you hear on the street corner in the 50s. It does have the vocal harmonies. I just, I'm not sure if it feels like a descendant of doo-wop to me. Okay. Even when they say doo-doo, doo-doo-doo, I love you. I mean, everybody says nonsense syllables when they're just singing melodies. But you don't everybody, think that was... Hunter. Everybody. Okay. Well, yeah. fine, Steve. Keep bringing up your fake news. Um, uh, how about a little Bengals retrospective, Hunter? Yeah, I'll give you a little Bengals retrospective, Dave. 
Uh, they started out as the Bangs in the uh, Los Angeles Paisley Underground scene, uh, which, if you remember, was the psychedelic garage scene in the early 1980s. Uh, they were a trio with Susanna Hoffs and sisters Vicky and Debbie Peterson. Uh, sometime around 1982, they changed their name to the Bangles and added bassist uh, Annette Zil- Zilinskis, who was then cl- quickly replaced by Mickey Steele, or Michael Steele, uh, who was briefly in The Runaways. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I want to make a point about New Up. These aren't full-on doo-wop songs. Oh, no, I'm aware. Okay. I get right. it. This is why I didn't... This is why that Billy Joel song in the beginning, Longest Time, is not a new wop song. You can kind of... It's too wop to be new wop It's... Bang! It's too wop yeah. So you can't... It's hard to be full-on doo-wop and inter, like get it in that song to sell it to those teenagers on the MTV. Uh, no, no. You know, exactly. the only... Yeah, you don't want to new too much like their parents' music is yes, what you're saying. Exactly. And you want their parents to think it's hip enough but sounds enough like my music that they bought it. I'd like to plug the early uh, bangles. If you haven't listened to them... I bet you would. Totally. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, if you haven't listened to them, it's totally worth your while. It sounds a bit like the Go-Go's and a lot like 60s hipster, hipster music. Like it could have been on the Austin Powers soundtrack, but it was too good. A little bit like Mama Cass Elliot. That's that psychedelic stuff. Yeah. Start with getting out of getting out of hand, and you'll, uh, you'll see what I mean. Yeah. I can hear a little bit of that garage in here in this song a little bit. Yeah. That's their new wave influence coming in. You can talk more, show. Yeah, fuck it. Move on? Yeah. It's okay. oh, great. Number seven. Just bring these back when we do our 8-bit genre. Okay. I, we have to think of a new spin on it because it's already a genre. Mm. But it can get there. Okay, so this one is challenging. Uh, which is why I got it on here. Uh, I'd like to justify this song. This is the kind of <laughs> This is the Carson Doo-doo-doo-wop, doo-wop. This doesn't have your typical doo-wop bounce. It's more akin to a doo-wop ballad. I don't know. I think, I think Dave kind of proved it had a doo-wop bounce. No, I, I honestly... I think was that a bounce? Or is that more of a doo-wop ballad? He just, he just proved it was doo-wop. Continue. Uh, I, I was just going to say, like, Try Me by uh, James Brown and the Famous Flame. Um, also, the chord progression helps. Uh, I'm just saying that's a, that's a slower song, a doo-wop ballad. I'm not saying that this song sounds exactly like it. So oh, is Earth Angel. Uh, and, uh, so, and with this and a lot of doo-wop, you have the synth picking up the vocal harmony. Um, you hear those. It's, it's, I'm, I think it, it's a thin synth. It almost sounds like a voice sometimes. But you hear it in the chorus lines, and then there's a sweet, slow doo-wop breakdown after. Oh, can I answer every rhetorical question in this song real quick? Uh, Rick Ocasek will. Okay. Yeah. Except the question's being asked by Ben Orr. Doesn't matter. Rick Ocasek's probably playing the tambourine. He's going to drive you home. Yeah. He's yeah. going to hang you up when you call. He's going to do it all. Especially if you're, hot, if you're the hottest model at the party, count on it. We had a cheap vampire wig in college like that came with the, the store-bought costume. And I used to call him my Rick Ocasek wig. I think I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we really get to that doo-wop part, I'm going to tell you about the cars. Uh, they are Rick. I'm waiting for it because I'm not hearing the doo-wop yet. Uh, I already said. You hear the ba 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 right there? That's part of it. Uh, all right. 
Keep going, keep going. No, I'll just... Who are the cars, Hunter? I'm, I'm going to wait to hear this part. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's coming up? Steve, are you playing air guitar over there? No, it's, par- no, it's apparently this head. part where there's yeah. the ba 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 going back into it and the... I guess I don't. Yeah. Do I do wop wop. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then when they break out of the out of the the nonsense uh, syllables and words and go into the actual chorus words. Uh, anyways, the Rick sounds more like True by Spandau Ballet. Uh, the cars are Rick Ocasek, Elliot Easton, Greg Hawks, David Robinson uh, from the Modern Lovers and the late uh, Ben Orr. Uh, they formed in Boston, both Ocasek and Orr took a circuitous route to get there, making stops in Ohio and Michigan before uh, settling in Massachusetts. I have a question. Yes. Was his name uh, Ben Orr because either Ben or Rick Ocasek would sing? Dave? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some early bands they were in included the name The Grasshoppers, Milkwood, Richard and the Rabbits, and the aptly named acoustic duo Ocasek and Orr. Yeah. Uh, personally, I did the great. I did. I think they did the right thing settling on the cars, which really emphasized the 50 aesthetic in the 80s. I'd say so. <laughs> Great. All right, guys. Let's move <laughs> I on just, to the next I don't one. hear the doo-wop in this. I, I know mean, you already said that. It's you said it a lot. You said it a lot. You're doo-wop say that ballads in your have a. Yeah. Usually they're in waltz time too. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but I like, tell you, three, you know, three, four time. Two, three, three, four time. One, two, three. It's got one, that two, triplet three. under the do 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 do. That's what I was doing. Doo doo-wop. It can be in three four. It can be in four four. Well, it doesn't. It's, it's, this is a fake genre, okay? Apparently, this is a lot. This is an arbitrary genre that doesn't exist. Number six, six, six. Ooh. Yeah. Just got dark. Uh, uh, can I say something right off the top here? Uh-huh. I really don't like the Jay Giles band. Well, do you like it when you're watching dudes get hit in the crotch by like a football or a golf ball or a baseball? <laughs> you know what? You're turning me around. Yeah, because this is the song. Because everybody it. loves that. You don't yeah. have to be dead inside not to. <laughs> That's right. There's another uh, fake news new op band here with the Jay Giles band with Freeze Frame. Uh, this is here at number six is where new op I thought really started to take off, but it doesn't exist. But uh, this one, no, this one I hear it. I hear it in this one. Oh, good. I had, I had, I. I'd never heard it in this one before until you pointed it out, so I'm I'm on board. Okay. Uh, so no more is it a hit or is it an acapella, which is what I thought the Bengals was a little too acapella y. Uh, or is it too slow, which is the one previously? Was it in that perfect new uh, doo wop time signature? Who cares? It's new up. It's not doo up. It only has elements. Uh, this is doo wop song by a, by new by a new wave band, no doubt about it. It's the best, uh, and the best thing is, I bet you didn't realize it till now, right, Steve? No, I didn't. That's what new up is all yeah. about. Hey, Dave. Bring it. Yeah. Jay Giles does a good job singing this song, doesn't he? I don't know. I think he sounded better. <laughs> I think Ben Orr sings it. It's Peter Wolf. Yeah, that's right. Dummy. <laughs> now, listen. Gotcha. Uh, Peter Wolf is the guy that wrote the children's symphony that David Bowie narrated about the flute. Uh, and then he went on to pose in Playgirl and finally executive produced Law and Order. You guys are stupid. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so what's I'm great? I'm glad you've been researching, Dave. 
<laughs> okay, so what's great about this song? Well, it starts with a little, a little lacking, uh, but it has a great upbeat shuffle uh, uh, with that beauty new wave keyboard. Uh, then on the second verse, you get the actual hand claps and the deedle deedles, which you heard, it's a perfect next on the course. Uh, next course is interesting because it's just shouting a call and response freeze frame, but with real words and participation from the background singer, so I'll accept that. Then on the bridge, we get some shoops, which are always nice. I gotta have shoops. Then nutso doo-wop on the outro with a great scream. I, I will say one of the one of the things that are lacking in all of these new op songs, I couldn't really find them, was a nice uh, a nice. Uh, What's a high range? What's a falsetto? A nice oh. falsetto scream. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say acapella. No, I was. Uh, I have acapella on the brain uh, because it broke me last <laughs> last time. Oh, well, geez, I don't know what that was. Um, this is good. Good doo-wop is tight, but it feels pretty loose, you know? Like, this song captures all that. It's like fucking a toad's butthole with your needle dick. You guys know what I mean, right? Jesus Christ, Jitty, for the hundredth fucking time, I know exactly what you mean by that. Listen, this what's, guy, listen to the doo-wop uh, expert over yeah. here. What's it like? Frogs and needle dicks. Uh-huh. What's it like to have a needle dick? I don't know. Never. I can't empathize. Did you ever fuck a really big good, frog? Good, good cover, Steve. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I got like it. imagine I got a fireplace it. that's been ripped out of the wall, and you just kind of go and stand in front of it. Hey. hey. <laughs> Speaking of that, did you guys know that the harmonica player in this band is uh, his name? His name is Magic Dick. Oh. Oh. Hey. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, there's lots of stuff. Break them on, break them on. Woohoo! 50 songs from 50 soundtracks sounded in a track, and here we come. 50 songs from 50 soundtracks. We got America on the run. Some foreigner on Twitter pointed out, I'm really disappointed that you still only have America on the run with this one. Because we had America on the run because it was 50 states. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And I thought, well, you do, let's just ch- tell Mark Rivers to just change these lyrics. The rest are fine. Mm-hmm. We've uh, got... We've it's got, okay, though. No, we, I, we, I, we do still have America on the run, though. We really do. Yeah. Well, the country's braver and Guys, I talked to Mark. We, t- we discussed what the lyrics should be. Uh-huh. And we both decided that we still have America on the run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we do. That, is, we that do. it's still a factual yeah. statement. Yeah. That it doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that we don't have the rest of the world not on yeah the i mean it's it's not like we're we're saying all lives matter you know what? we're just <laughs> we just have america on the run we care about you too and where's america countries. gonna run to the rest of the world yep. that's right welcome to washington <laughs> this is uh, julie cruz falling from twin peaks twin peaks is coming back at some point this year yes. and it's gonna be balls out insane I hope so some of it takes place in las vegas that one fact alone combined with an absolute un- the absolute unwatchability of David Lynch's last movie Inland Empire New good flo- locations though New- yeah you know the location manager I did some was he your buddy oh really oh, congratulations your buddy Dave did it um, me new buddy twi- Dave new, twi- new Twin Peaks is gonna blow some minds for better or for worse I was a huge Twin Peaks fan in junior high not only did me I too. love I love the show and it gave me a chance to talk to my crush who was like the only other person at the school who watched it and it really gave each viewing a sacred weight like, Oh man, I can't wait to talk to the talk about this to Girly Girlerson. Um, I got the the videotapes. I loaned them out to, to friends in college. I made new friends. Twin Peaks is very special to me. I loaned them out to my friend Dusty in high school. There were six hours per tape, six episodes, and he'd come back every morning and go, "I need the next tape."
<laughs> well, your bachelor party, we sat down and watched probably most of the first season. Well, we started to. And then, yeah, well, know, then my, started my bachelor party was just dudes at my house. It was great. <laughs> it was great. It was a lot of fun. It was fun. a lot of fun. That's When you call me on my phone, that's the photo that shows up is from your bachelor party. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, Hear cool. that, guys? We know how to party. Yeah. Um, as you may have noticed, if you're a Twin Peaks fan, this is the Twin Peaks theme song, but with words. Whoa. The No Word version won the best pop instrumental Grammy, and uh, the soundtrack to Twin Peaks went gold on the charts, which is super rare for a TV soundtrack. And this is one of the greatest theme songs of all time. Why? Why? Because it had a 50s bent? <laughs> Kinda. No, because a, a theme song should get you in the perfect mood for the show that you're about to watch. There was no show that required the perfect mood more than Twin Peaks, and no theme song that achieved that effect more than this one. Completely agree with you, JD. Just as much as Jaws, the first two notes of this song immediately conjure up images of this show. And Unlike Jaws, it's hauntingly beautiful and a fantastic song. But this words version here is sung by Julie Cruz, the singing girl in Twin Peaks. When David Lynch was making Blue Velvet, they needed a new song with dreamy, ethereal vocals, so Angelo Badalamenti remembered Julie from a theater workshop he had produced. They made the song Mysteries of Love for Blue Velvet, and a weird-ass David Lynch star was born in Julie Cruz. Um, Lynch and Badalamenti worked closely with Julie on her 89 debut album, Floating Into the Night, which has all of her songs you can hear on the Twin Peaks soundtrack, as well as the weird song Rockin' Back Inside My Heart that Donna lip-syncs seductively to James, who always looks freaked out, especially there. Um, so if you want a great album that's not the Twin Peaks soundtrack that makes you feel like you're in Twin Peaks, Floating Into the Night is it. Uh, and Julie's still kicking. She just released a co-single with King Dude last Ooh, year. It's called, it's called Singing Each Other's Songs for You, where they sing each other's songs for each other. Does King Dude sing this one? He does, and then she sings a King Dude song. Hey, wow. hey, hey guys, did I ever tell you when that I went to the Twin Peaks Fest? Yeah, I saw yeah. photos. You dressed yeah. as the uh, the cowboy. Uh, I, d I dressed as a Big Ed. Yeah, Big but Ed. But when he was undercover? Oh, yeah, when yeah. he went to the, what, the Black Watch? Uh, the, uh, we got a curly wig and a mustache for you, No, it was, it was, but it was my, it was my real mustache and curly hair. Yeah. It was killer, except when I walked in, someone all, someone also had the same costume on. I yeah. thought for sure I would have uh, the most original one. Also, I won the best, uh, best comedy caption contest there. Comedy caption contest. Yeah. I won a still image from uh, Fire Walk With Me. Oh, I'll show great. you sometime. Yeah, it'd be great. Plug hole. Plug hole. I got something. Well, today's bumpers were sent in by Jamie Ortel, who writes, uh, Hey there. Just recently got into the podcast and wanted to show my appreciation by making you some stuff. That's a dead-on impression of Jamie. Yeah. These bumpers are little snippets of 80s, 90s video games that I recreated with various synths, sampled instruments, drum programs, and those kind of things. Listen, these are great, Jamie, and we'd love to hear more from you sometime. And, and from everyone. Send yeah. us some bumpers. Yeah. Send us some bumpers. Um, I'm going to be on a podcast next week called Boys Night. It's uh, four dudes. Boys Night. Boys 
boys. Now it, I, they don't play Boys Club by Ween. It'd be great. Should have should have recommended that to them. Uh, Jared and the fellas, if you're listening, Boys Club by Ween, great theme song. Uh, Except say night over the top where it says club. So it's exactly. Uh, get Steve, he'll do it for you. Um, check it out, Boys Night. Um, but guys, we have a Patreon account now. <gasps> yeah. And we we'd like to, uh, and we've gotten some, some love in that. Yeah, too. yeah. We'd like to throw. Thanks some for the love. Everybody. Shout outs to our listeners. Yeah, so you contribute at, at certain levels, and we'll, we'll read your name on air. Wow. <laughs> well, that's one of the many things. For example, uh, our first mate S. <laughs> That's, that's we didn't what, that's, say we would read your name correctly. That's why I pointed to you, JD. I didn't want to read it. Rifer Shield. Rifer Shield. Rifer Shield. Rifer Shield. There's no L in whoever wrote this. Rifer Shade. Rifer Shade. Rifer Shade. First mate. Thank you, S. We've got Germany on the run. Perhaps. <laughs> huh? I, I think he lives in the UK, actually. We've got uh, he the UK on the run. Cool. We got our quartermaster, Jillian Crowther. Yeah. What's up, Jillian? And our coxswains, the mysteriously named Matopal, Matthew Connors, Jenna Meering, Alex Arnold, Clayton Gumbert. That's just a that's just the tip of the iceberg for the benefits yeah. you get for saying <laughs> for contributing to us on Patreon. It is. But uh, S. Jillian, the mysteriously named Matopal, Matt, Jenna, Alex, and Clay. Thank you guys. We do appreciate thank you very it. Much. You uh you you make us stop operating at a loss, and hopefully we can get enough. Uh, together to come and see you guys perform in your Yeah, that's the time. ultimate goal. Um, yeah. And also, also, uh, we're going to do another run of Beyond Yacht Rock t-shirts, so like at the end of the month, so very soon. So if you have a size you want that's out of stock, large and extra large are out of stock right now. Uh, get maybe, those or- get maybe those- a loved one only has one arm. You want some kind of special, uh, yeah. specially tailored thing? Let us know. You're a very small lady. You're a very large man. We have all the sizes you want for pre-order, and you'll get them in February. That was Plug Hole. Number five. Okay, I feel like I'm not messing around with this. Uh, I'm feeling like I'm not messing around with this top five. Uh, this is one of three Twitter suggested songs. Uh, you see, I, we teased this in the uh, in a Yacht or Yacht episode, and it got a lot of traction on the internet. It was hot, hot on that internet. Yeah, this new wop genre. Uh, this was this one was pointed out to me by Twitter user lounging at the Waldorf. Uh, this is Fine Young Cannibals with Good Thing. I love our fans. I learned so much from them. I almost feel guilty using their knowledge, and it's great when we remember to shout out who they are. So good job, Hunter. Yeah. Well, I got a lot of suggestions. Yeah, I can tell you how much you like our fans. By the way, you allow Coco's ghost to harass them on the internet. <laughs> I don't believe people who who incite Coco's ghost ire are truly fans. Uh, that's a that's seems a fairly point. easy to incite his ire, though. It's very hard to be a fan. Very difficult job. Yeah. Especially now that a lot of them are paying customers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be even more difficult for That's Coco. another benefit of, of donating to the Patreon is that I won't be mean to you. Coco's ghost will not be mean to you. Unless uh, that's what you want. And then, yeah. we'll, then he'll be extra mean. What about what's this song? Uh, well, I had a lot of discoveries on this one. I think uh, the doop doopy wop was a lot. I, I uh... 
I think there's a lot of, it's almost too doo It's almost too at least 50s, I will say. At least 50s, early 60s on this. Uh, uh, apparently, Steve's grunts mean that. I'll argue with you wrong. in a minute. I'll no, I don't want to argue. But really, yeah. uh, the lead vocals in modern production, uh, production kind of hide it. And this was a discovery to me because I heard this song a million times. I never really thought about it as a kid. It, it spoke to me as a kid. I had no idea what era it came from. Uh, number two, the Fine Young Cannibals were a new wave band. I had no idea. That was a discovery to me. Uh, they had kind of a ska soul thing before uh, going full synth pop. And uh, another discovery, this was from the 1987 movie called Tin Men about aluminum siding salesmen in uh, 1963 Baltimore. Uh, uh, they, uh, the Fine Young Cannibals played at the house. They were the house band bar. Uh, they were the house band at a bar, hence the throwback sound. Um, Do you think they were actually cannibals? They were fine and young, so why wouldn't all three be true? Uh, it's actually a movie reference, 1960, loosely based on the life of Chet Baker. How are, however, they were young when they recorded this, and if anyone asks me if I like the fine young cannibals, what do you think of the fine young cannibals? I'd probably say they're fine. <laughs> so, you know, you might be onto something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were, they, the Fine Young Cannibals were a trio from Birmingham, uh, England, not Alabama, uh, but it's close to the same thing. Uh, bassist David Steele and guitarist Andy Cox came from The Beat, a.k.a. the British Beat, a.k.a. the English Beat. And the most famous member, uh, lead singer uh, Roland Gift, came from the ska band Acrylics. Acrylics. Uh, so, That's a cool name. Yeah. So they were dipping in the 50s and 60s. And I don't think that was new op. Do you want, okay, well, you want me started again? No, that's fine. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll disagree briefly. Yeah, and I got better things to say than Steve. Oh, oh great. Yeah, okay, we'll both say it. Yeah, we'll start again. Start okay. again. All right, these guys have two studio albums and four greatest hits compilations. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you can... If you can achieve that that is really are you listening to guys from jackal because this is this is hard to do this the their second and they had like what like three or four hits uh, this she drives me crazy and probably one that i can't think of uh, don't look back i think was a hit maybe one other one but those, i only remember three wasn't that like wait what, which one did you just name well, uh she, she drives me crazy yes. this one yes uh don't look back yeah and then yeah um, their second album is actually it's raw and uncooked. You can't even you can kind of consider it a studio album. But yeah, like half of it's uh, no, it's the like, raw and the cooked. Yes. Even the second album is raw and uncooked. I don't know. No, it's the raw, raw and, and the, the cooked. cooked. Okay. So the raw was the stuff that they were just recycling from earlier stuff, and then the cooked was the more produced sort of synthy stuff that like uh, like she drives me crazy. <laughs> Uh, which is and it was recorded at Paisley Park. Uh, go ahead, Steve. Now, I cede my time to you telling me that it's not. <laughs> I don't think it's new up because I think that this is a sterling example of a genre that I'm going to get to sometime in the near future that I call Fotown, which is basically good Motown ripoffs. I like just the arrangement, the beat, like the that really strong on the beat percussive guitar. That's like Motown to a T. I will say, I hear that way I more of the '60s Steve, here than. than I, I agree with you, but I don't think they need to be mutually exclusive. They, well, neither did the All Music guy, because I even said that this song has uh, the doo-wop uh, vocals and chorus. Yeah, but they hire creeps and perverts. Tell me it was written by Steve Huey. It Tell wasn't. Oh. But they also mentioned the other uh, signature sounds of other uh, 60s sounds. 
So yeah, so, it's super Motown to me. They, they were like, merging. I, they were it just merging sounds so much in, to me that they were merging sounds, and it was enough to me along with everything else that this isn't. As I said, these aren't 100% doo-wop songs. These are using doo-wop influences. They're hiding them in modern arrangements. New op. New op. Wop. New wop. Number four. New, New. wop. And Motown was influenced by doo wop. Yes. Yes, exactly. Smokey Robinson and the, but and the Miracles were like originally Motown. Like then you, anything that sounds like Motown is new wop. No. 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 Oh. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's move on. We tend we tend to uh, do a lot of work uh, supporting your genres, Steve. No, no. You can argue with me. Understand the mu- try to understand the genre and find. What I'm trying. Works. Yeah. No. No. This I'm, is this is like your improv where you just sit there and say no. <laughs> We're having a conversation. We're not moving a scene forward. Uh, well, you're right. No. We're not. We absolutely are not. <laughs> Listen, we hilariously shit on Steve's genres enough to have him not hilariously, not hilariously shit on this one. Okay, okay. Fair, <laughs> enough, fair enough. Fair enough. That's true. So I'm, I'm fine with it. I just wish he would have. I specifically asked like two or three weeks ago when I put out the, the, the list of songs that I was considering it. While we were on break? Yeah. That It's okay. But I, I specifically said, Steve, I really... I really want your opinion on this because I know you have a much wider background Steve, in this oh, era of music. Did you recently become? That. You recently became a union man, right? Because no, that wasn't recent. Oh well, your answer, your response to that was the most union thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, while we were on break, <laughs> like we were expected something out of you. While we were on break? Oh, two or three weeks ago, I was in Michigan with my family. I was on my break. And Listen, then, I just no, went on they don't, break. They don't, have, get they don't have internet in Michigan yet. You well, guys... I had shit to do. I had nieces to play with, man. Yeah. Listen, I get it. I had to get out of town after the acapella episode, and I just got back an hour ago. I don't blame you. I that would have that takes a lot out of everybody. My brain started bleeding, and I lost my hearing. This is true. And I had to get out of town because of acapella. Let's start this song again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, What What is the song? We had some shit to clear up there. Number four. Anybody know? Yeah, I'm gonna tell you about it. This is number four. And uh, this was another friend submission, uh, a friend of the show submission, and it was more like a threat uh, when I was told by DJ Claire that I had to have this on the new WAP show, and she was right, I did. This is Dan Hart, Dan Hartman of Hartman Town, <laughs> uh, hit podcast, uh, with I I can dream about you from his 1984 album of the same name, and more famously from the 1983 Walter Hill. Poopus, Streets of Fire. It was, it was, but it was performed uh, by in-movie duet band of the Sorrells, uh, just like the Greg Fillingame's opening song. Oh, the movie Streets of Fire was only a few drafts away from being a good movie. Maybe like seven or eight more drafts, uh, but without cutting any of the great music or outrageousness. Yeah, yeah. Was that his first movie after the Warriors? No, he had something in between. Walter Hill. Yeah. But didn't he do another uh, 48, 48 hours? hours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think maybe. So that I was think this movie. maybe was re- try an attempted at return to form 
Yeah. Were the Warriors, maybe? What? No, no. 48 Hours is great. But this, this doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's in 2005, Daryl Hall. I just want to talk about the Warriors. Claimed that Hartman wrote this for Hall. Good thing we have a segment now for that. Uh, in 2005, Daryl Hall claimed that Hartman wrote this for Hall and Oates, and uh, Hall and Oates declined it, which, uh, this is, which is probably true because uh, that sounds like Hall and Oates, that it would have been a huge hit for them, and they declined it out of uh, just uh, hubris. Um, I, just, I just realized something. I just realized why I always thought Hall and Oates wrote this, because they wrote Every Time You Go Away, and Paul Young covered it and made it more popular, and that confused the, those two songs. Yeah. Okay. Okay, continue. Cool. The, but, the, it, the, but before uh, Hall said that, um, and this is perfect exploitation as our, uh, our another friend of the podcast. I forget what his name is. Yeah. I can't remember that. Jagob Joe. Yeah. Well, Jack- wasn't, that wasn't Vanderbilt, was it? Yeah. We weren't supposed to say it. Oh, shit. You stop looking at your phone. No, I was, making, I was making notes on my notes. Uh, <laughs> so this, they, before that, it was simply thought of as a demo line around that Hartman played for uh, Jimmy Iovine? Iovini? We still haven't figured that out. Who needed the sound for a movie he was producing called Streets of Fire. Uh, Dan knew Jimmy from his Edgar Winter days. Fun fact, Dan Hartman wrote and sang Free Ride. I did not know that. Yeah. That's a fun fact. That is a fun That's fact. That's really fun. Yes. Uh, uh, you brought up the hubris of uh, Hall and Oates if, uh, of not, not doing this song. Yeah. I, I feel like the actual quote was, we simply do not do other people's songs. <laughs> I think that's what came back from Hall and Oates. Maybe just one of them. <laughs> they got a brand to protect. Yeah. Uh, so the truth is, I. So they won't do songs that sound exactly like their brand. <laughs> yeah, that would have been the, probably their biggest hit. Yeah. Uh, so the truth, I dropped Hall and Oates from this from this countdown because uh, this is the best Hall and Oates new up song. Um, it just happens to be Dan Hartman, uh, and is often the case the best song appears at number four because this is a great fucking song. It just loses points because there aren't enough nonsense words in it. Uh, it's almost purely chorus harmonies, no hand claps or snaps, although you could. Get, get on there. Uh, but awesome new wavy synth, and uh, come on, it's a great song. I don't know. Yeah, you see the Sorrells dancing to this in Streets of Fire. You're and like, it convinces you this is a new song. Number three. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> this here's the thing. Uh, Wikipedia tells me that this uh, that this here song, True Blue by Madonna, has a typical chord progression of doo-wop. Uh, uh, but I don't know what it is because I'm an idiot. Um, and maybe we've already heard it today. I don't know. Uh, and it's actually great Wikipedia because it also says that it's in a compound quadruple meter, which is often used in doo-wop. Uh, and is that what Steve meant by waltz beat? I think no, so. waltz beat is typically one, two, three, one, two, three, and this is one, two, three, four, three, four versus four, four. I think the I think the quadruple. Uh, it still has kind of a triplet pulse to it. That's but that's it's what in I think. Four, it is. but it's and, got a triplet pulse. And that's that do do wop do do wop. That's the triplet pulse at the time. I think the compound quadruple meter is. We should not talk about anything technical about music except for flutter tonguing. And throat growling. We have no idea what we're talking about. And fingering. But I had to bring that up. 
because I'm sure somebody here does is not going to think that this is Wait, no. Bring it up, bring it up, but we should not discuss it as if we know anything. Oh. Me included. You can bring it up. You can say, "Hey, there's a thing about this song I want to say because I've read about this thing. I don't in know anything Wikipedia. about it in Wikipedia." But then the rest of us should never go. Oh, you know, because I did it too. Oh, you know, well, I think it is. Uh, 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 uh. Because we're idiots. It's true. I mean, I'm kind of smart. You are a little. Bit. All right, Steve's not an idiot. Uh, this was again re- recommended by Lounging at the Waldorf. Thank you for all the suggestions. No more. I'm just kidding. I appreciate it. Uh, did I say this is Madonna? No, I did. It's Madonna. Is this our first Madonna song, or did you ha- did she want to boink, boink you on your? No, show? oh no. I sh- Justify my love didn't make the countdown. Did it make sex me ups? I, yeah, I can't put her and Mariah Carey in the same countdown. Oh, They'll fight each other. Yeah. And Mariah Carey <laughs> will win. Someone's gonna throw poop. Ah. Uh, and it'd be Mariah. But this song feels like the great tradition of bubblegum pop, like my boyfriend's back or, or like the blacker side, like stuff from yeah. the Supremes. It's not 100% doo-woppy. No, it's, it, but it is 100% like a girl group pastiche. Like in girl group pop, is, it's heavily influenced by doo-wop, but it's its, it's own thing. Like you, you, you can and should draw a distinction. Yeah, but there was like the Shirelles were a doo-wop band. And then, but they were also like the first girl group, like who, they they made girl group a genre. Yes, basically, exactly. And so, so those girl groups took a ton of inspiration from doo-wop, and right, probably yes. some of these chord progressions and uh, uh, rhythm patterns. That but it was also thing. kind of its own thing. It was. It eventually became its own thing. Yeah. But they, they were specifically going for kind of. I would say the early 60s or 63 doo-woppy, which is more yeah, of that was, that was like the heyday of the girl groups was like early 60s pre-British yeah. invasion. And so I, I can I I think that there's enough doo-wop influence, especially with the rhythms and the chord progressions that I consider this new wop. And it sounds new enough that sounds new wavy enough. I mean, Madonna transcended new wave. But she definitely was there at the beginning of it. Yeah. And became famous because because of it. This is I think uh, this is part of the other genre, new girl group. Yeah. Which is but, not nearly as catchy a name. But uh, again, as new but again, I don't think they need to be mutually exclusive. They I definitely hear the doo-wop in this. Yeah, this is definitely maybe new wop is a, a bit of a catch-all for for heavy for free British invasion. Heavy fifties influence with a mixture of the other stuff that was that was heavily influenced by the, that 50s doo-wop. It is a descendant. Yes. It's, a, it's a great grandchild sometimes. Yes. And it's not a pure doo-wop song. None of these are pure doo-wop songs. These are new wop songs. <laughs> yeah, I have other stuff we can talk about. Did I, did I lose it? I mean, it's, it's Madonna biographical stuff. You know? I mean, she's from Michigan, but she never talks about it. Yeah. She's uh, from Saginaw. That explains her Saginese no, she's from accent. Bay City. Oh, but still, that, it's the Tri-City area. Yeah, she's it's the Tri-Cities. Sa- she's got a Saginese accent, which makes you sound vaguely like you're kind of from London. And is, then, she, <laughs> is she still doing that British accent thing? Probably. Is she still married to Guy Ritchie? No. No, that's long gone. And this, this song is off of uh, the 86 album True Blue, otherwise known as the album dedicated to Sean Penn, uh, her husband and co-star of Shanghai Surprise. <laughs> you ever see that movie? Yeah, it's no. good. Oh, uh, really good. Uh, I wonder when, the, you know, I didn't check. When did that... 
I think I don't think that, I don't think that that movie took place in the in the fifties, but I would be I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, so, like I said, Madonna, like Michael Jackson or Prince, I think always tr- uh, transcended new wave. Um, they were pure pop stars. She's, she's one of the ultimate snake charmers. When it's time to change with the times, she trains the snakes and sends them out for everybody else to charm. Yeah, much like David Bowie. Yeah. Everybody says like, oh, look, she reinvented herself again. Fuck you. She's Madonna. Yeah. She's, re- she's reinventing your thought. All these people you named Prince, Michael Jack, they all kind of did it. Yeah. And, uh, and and here she definitely nailed the 50s nostalgia of the time uh, with this, what I would consider a new wop classic here. It's number four, or excuse me, number three. Um, and which has, besides the vintage structures, has synth hand claps, synth layered harmonies, and classic layered uh, choral vocals uh, with those important dr- real words during the chorus. Shadoop-a-doop. Number two. Yeah, I couldn't exclude this one. Um, I think this is an obvious choice. And rest in peace, George Michaels. This is our first George Wham. George George Michaels. Yeah, I guess there's no George Michaels died too. Oh no! Him and George Michael. Oh no! Oh Jesus! That's such a. (laughs) That's such a. Fuck you, 2016. Taking George Michaels and George Michael. Just twisting the knife. And night. you know the guy from George Michael's Sports Machine. That George Michael is dead, too. They're Wait. all gone. Wait, is the from the Sports Machine, does he have an S on the name of this? No. No? Is that just me Michiganizing the name? They do Probably. that in Michigan. Yeah, like Myers. Like targets. Yeah. Barnes Myers. and Nobles. Yeah. Myers. I said that one. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. I didn't hear it. Uh, okay, so... So Much like I didn't hear your request to <laughs> vet this genre before we... Well, to at least talk about, about it. Uh, I think this is full on new up. Um, and I really think that this is almost too, like, sort of that era that, that I, it's almost too much of a doo-wop early 60s song. But it transcends it to me. Because when I heard this, I didn't even really realize that this was a this was plain oldie-time music. J.D., did this bug you when you were a kid? Because it sounded like oldie time music? Yeah, probably. No, just say I, no and agree with me. I think I danced to I don't know. I think, I will say this came out in 84, man. That was the zenith of pop culture. Everything was solidified in 1984, and nothing's really changed since. It really hasn't. Compare 84 to 54. We're going to talk about that. Okay. The next song. We'll probably I'll have save to it. Three, play that one like three times in a row. Yeah, I'm sure we all have a lot to say. Uh, so George, George, so Michaels said of this song, I just wanted to make a really energetic pop record that had all the best elements of 50s and 60s records combined with our attitude and our approach, which is obviously more up-tempo and a lot younger than some of those records. Bang. 
Guy nailed new up. He, that was like Loggins nailing Yacht Rock right there. He nailed it. He knew what he was doing without having any idea what he was doing. Yeah, he. Yeah. If he was still with us today, he probably should have done this genre here today. He could have taken my place. Remember, at the time he said that, he was also saying, I fucking love banging the shit out of hot chicks' cooters. So you can't really quote can't really quote his quotes. I mean, you can quote his quotes, but can you believe him? Did he say that? I always thought it was a little mysterious about it. I don't like, know. I, I, re- I had an uncle. Yeah, no, that's yes, a direct he really quote. said, I fucking that's love banging chicks' cooters. Quote, Dave. Yes, Dave, you really I, said are you that. Sure? We're saying I quotes. I, I think you might be mistaken. Okay. Did I ever say this was Wham with Wake Me Up? Before I go, go. Man, every day. Whams. Excuse that. me, it's whams. <laughs> I had I had an uncle that saw a photo of George Michael, like on a 45 or something. I had, and he said something along the lines of, "That young lady needs a shave, or that fella's wearing an earring." <laughs> and he thought he thought um, George Michael might be gay, and I guess. Uh, I guess it turns out he's the smart one in the story. So, <laughs> so George Michael, which I spelled it correctly and I would have actually uh, said it right, um, was real name, just play it again. Okay, who cares? Was real name is Giorgio uh, Panayotu? Yo, Good I don't know. Yeah, it's a very Greek name. Extreme, extremely Greek. Uh, as we all know, he recently passed away, and it was a huge on loss. Christmas. Side by side with George Michael's, his best friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was so sad. Hand in hand, suicide pact. I heard. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, but in the muck of that terrible event, I, maybe I should have put this in the plug hole. Uh, I found something out that I was at least this pleased. Is, this is awesome. <laughs> I was following a guy on Twitter named Andrew Ridgely, uh, and he's not. He wasn't verified. He was just some normal dude who liked a bike, and I thought it was hilarious that I was following an average guy named Andrew Ridgely. Hunter is doing a bit for nobody but himself. Yeah. <laughs> just just in case somebody was looking and, and yeah. so hey, it's Andrew uh. Ridgely. It's normal Andrew Ridgely. Average Jack off. Uh, Andrew Ridgely. Uh, and how Andrew Ridgely of him to be so common and just have a few Twitter followers. Turns out it was the real Andrew Ridgely. And he sent some very lovely words about George after his passing. So I was pleasantly, yeah. I was pleasantly uh, pleased to hear from Andrew Ridgely. So uh, look for the non-verified Andrew Ridgely on my Twitter. Uh, follows. Yeah, follows. And you can follow Andrew Ridgely. Oh, shit. Twitter just announced George. Michael's uh, cause of death. It was being awesome. Yeah. He died for being too awesome for his human body. Uh, luckily, local politics isn't going to die anytime soon. Because it's not awesome. Number one! Yay! You did it! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Steve, you gotta give me this one. Yeah, this is the artist I was expecting to hear in this genre once I realized that this was not gonna be about like Sha Na Na. Yes. You wanna know why? Because, because I was, we're saving Shanana for my episode of Nothing But Shanana. Yeah. Oh, you should you should check out Shawadi Wadi. I'm gonna They're like it, the British version no, of Shanana. Just Shanana. No, Shana. You wanna use Shawadi Wadi in the intro? Guys, done with these jokes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's get back to serious business. Yeah. So this is why you thought that this 
this is what New Up was, was because uh, I was going to have 10 Huey Lewis songs as my New Up countdown. Um, that was my first version of this, uh, along with uh, three Huey Lewis intro songs, by the way. Uh, regardless, uh, this one, If This Is It, by him and the news would have been number one on both shows. Uh, these guys fucking get it. In fact, they got it so much, I think that this is why they got the gig on Back to the Future. At least that's my theory. Ooh, good theory. They were so new up. They got it on that. Anyways, uh, Back to the Future is kind of a new op movie. It was uh, made in 1985, two years after Scorch. Uh, you get the top new opera on the soundtrack. Uh, hey, have you? So this is what you were saying, uh, JD. Yeah. Uh, about so 1985. 30 years in the past of that was 1955. Uh, but what's a mindfuck? Is that 30 years after 1985 was uh, 2015, which is now two years ago? Yeah. Does that 30 years feel as different as 55 to 80 or 85 to 55? Uh, no, because I don't think it does. Yeah. See, I think it's more so. Really? Yeah, because we've got hip hop now. Hip hop and the phones and the from the, the technology s- front, but from the culture front. Yeah. Not much Culture has changed. Culture front, not much has changed. They kind of nailed it then, and now it's just sort of been riffing and that, on the same thing that works. <laughs> so it's like you were saying earlier, everything peaked in 1984 musically. Mm-hmm. But there was, there was rap in, in 1985. There was hip-hop in 1985. Yeah, yeah but it was, it was very, very new. It hadn't become what it was going to yeah, be the, yet. The Beastie Boys were still a punk band. But there was... Yeah. Yeah. LL Cool J had just debuted. But I, I would I would say that in 1985, you could find modern stuff that would be considered very modern today. You probably have sprinklings of seeds of that in 1985 at least. Yes. Yeah. But in 1985, and you go back to 19, what was modern in 1985, considered ultra modern. If you go to, to 1955, nothing. Yeah. Not there, except for new op. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what I think is the, the, I think the culture war of the 1960s is really the dividing line. And the amazing thing to me is terrible people are still trying to take us back to 1955 as much as they were in 1985. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Anyways. Uh, uh, so I'm sick of talking about the same stuff. You guys get it by now. But here's what I think of the same structure rhythmically and chorally as a Madonna song. Uh, It's got the the nonsense words and the chorus uh, real words. In fact, I think they actually say doo-wop in this, or maybe it's just ooh-wop. Ooh-wop. Regardless. I don't hear the doo-wop in it then. (laughs) I don't think it's doo-wop because they say ooh-wop. I don't hear it. The only thing this is really missing are the claps and the snaps. But I get what you're doing. I'm doing a, st- uh, I'm making fun of Steve. Sounded just like me, JD. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hunter, you said you guys done? I don't know. You want to get a couple more in there? A couple more? Okay. Why is this new op tearing us apart? I, I don't know. This should be bringing we're us a mi- together. It's a microcosm of America. Steve, Steve we started it. We came together for OK Pella. Yeah. But this is tearing well, us yeah, apart. Oh, yeah, because we all agreed that it was terrible. Yeah. Now I we're, thought just, it, we're I thought just it was arguing okay. over details. I think you guys were a little harsh on it. I thought it was OK. I was just harsh on the music. But by the end, I was totally, you know, I wanted to make my piece with it. Anybody else have anything, like, cool or interesting to I, say about I this I totally song? do. Uh, my Go first for concert, it. My first concert, Huey Lewis and the 
News. Uh, maybe my I went to a Huey Lewis in the News concert with my friend Dusty. We made a sign that said Huey Lewis is the heart of rock and roll. We fought our way to the front, and Huey Lewis looked at us and gave us a nod. Yeah. And also, when we were in line for that concert, a guy came up to the uh, came up to the line to the security guy and was like, "Hey, can you tell Huey I'm here? I'm his brother Fred, and he looked just like him." And my friend Dusty turned to him and said, "You're Huey Lewis's brother?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I am." Nice to meet you, Mr. Lewis. <laughs> now, I know Dusty. He wasn't doing a bit. Mm, no, he was... He was very happy to meet Mr. The, Lewis. The best part of this is that Huey Lewis's real name is... Okay, fun facts about Hugh Craig Third. Steve, how do you spell Craig? It's a C-R-E-G-G. Yes, mm. two G's, just like Greg. Um, he was born in New York. What if York? his brother's name was Greg Craig with two G's? It was Fred. Oh, what if it was Greg Craig? That'd be crazy. It that'd would be. be. I, wow. That would, wow. I tell you what, that'd be on my bananas. list of fun facts I'm about to read, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> he was born in New York City, but raised in Marin County. He was an all-state baseball player and got a perfect math score on his SATs, so he matriculated at Cornell, got in a band, and dropped out. He taught himself how to play harmonica, hitchhiking to New York City. He moved back to the Bay Area and joined band Clover, Good band. who was Elvis Costello's backing band for My Aim is True, and started going by Huey Lewis, Steve, spell it. H-U-G-H-I-E. Real quick, real quick. Do you guys realize that learning harmonica while hitchhiking across the the country is the most pretentious thing? (laughs) Yeah. You need to learn that on a a boxcar. (laughs) (laughs) You probably had a little stick in a bindle bindle stick. Because he's perfect at everything, J.D. This is what I'm getting at. He played harmonica in Thin Lizzy's Armed and Dangerous live album. He made a disco song called Exodisco with Huey Lewis and the American Express. Oh, fuck yeah. And then they changed their name to the News and became the mo- most prolific new op band on the planet. I also hear he has a large penis. Dong I've that heard guy the too. same thing. He was perfect. The man was perfect. Uh, Wait, somebody Hunter, somebody described it to me once. They said it hit the ground with a dull thud. Yes. What's new? Is this why you were yelling about fake news earlier in the show? No. I was because you were telling fake news about how this is not new up. Play it again, because I want to talk some more about it. Because wasn't the description of new up like it was fake Huey Lewis in the news? Mm. Over, that wasn't what you intended to describe it as? You, uh, you may be the only one that got that. Out, oh, so. fake news. I get it. See? I thought Huey that was Lewis inten- the I thought that news. was an intentional setup for number yeah, one. Yeah, because this is the real news, fellas. This just in. <laughs> I just want to read this, because this is my favorite thing about about the 2000 return to the 1980s, which was a return to the 50s. I think rock critic Patrick Bateman really nailed Huey Lewis in the news at this period when he said, their early work was a little too new wave for my taste, but when sports came out in 83, I really think they came into their own, commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the song, the songs a boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. Indeed, Mr. Bateman. And that's good new up. Hey, 
Great job, everyone. I had fun talking about Nuwop. Hey, by the way, do you guys think we ever sound like a bunch of American psychos when we when we, when we break down 80s? Uh, well, we keep doing the same thing over and over again. Does anybody expect a different result? From that what is we not do? the definition of psycho. Well, I was insanity. Insanity. Yeah. It's not the definition of that either. Hey, hey. Stop saying that. Good job. That. Good job, everyone. Next week, Steve's going to bum us out again. Yeah. With uh, the, the Ache Part 2. Part 2. Indie. Oh, God, I feel like there's going to be instant karma on that episode. It's going to be the happiest one of the instant season. Instant karma is going to get you. It's going to be the happiest one of the season. I guarantee it. Um, find this week's new op playlist by following J.D. Riznar on Spotify. Go to YachtRock.com to buy T-shirts, read the Captain's blog, see show notes by Tim Malcolm. Follow him on Twitter at Timothy Malcolm for fun facts. Send questions via Twitter at YachtRock. Follow J.D. at J.D. Riznar. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow David, David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare. Like YachtRock on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. Your reviews help us pick up heat. So please take the time today to write us a review. Thanks to J- I didn't write it down. It's Jamie, Jamie Ortel. Jamie Ortel for doing the bumpers. Additional bumpers by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Oh, they do the themes. Uh, recorded today by our old friend Matt Brousseau. Matt, old thanks, friend. Thanks old a, friend. From a few months ago. The so. Thanks, uh, the so. Thanks to Dustin, Jason, Noah, Kristen, everybody, and the entire Fair Audio family. All the Dave's buddies. Uh, oh, wait. Are we not going to do what didn't make the list? Oh, shit. I missed that one. Let's do what didn't make okay, the list. Wait, hold on. Quick. Last, last, quick. Check out okay. other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com. What didn't make the list, Steve? At this moment by Billy Vera and the Beaters. I don't hear that one at all. I oh, you, how the it's, fuck? Really? Really? It's, it sounds like it just sounds blue, blue-eyed soul. It's 100% soul. That's just me. Uh, do wop I hear the voices by Hollow Notes, which is new wop slash George Orwave. That's a good one. Um, and then possibly they don't know by Tracy Ullman, which is just it's another girl group pastiche. But True Blue was on here, so I don't know. That was on my original list of like 50 songs. Um, and I I was going to do the Christy McCall version of it, but it's two Ronettes for me. It's two okay. Ronettes for me. So it's girl group. Yes, absolutely. Too much girl group. Not enough rhythm or choral things that you could justify it. And that's what didn't make the list. JD, didn't you have one? I've lost my paper. I forgot what I had to say. Can you JD read it for me? JD says the "I want my baby back, baby back, baby back" <laughs> ribs song from Chili's. I understand that may be too OG doo-wop sounding it. to make the list, but if there was an extended cut out there, it would have been really nice to make it. And I followed that up with, "We can't put that on the list because I'm saving it for my abortion show." <laughs> I would have liked to have seen. You want a, your baby back? Yeah, thanks, Steve. I would have liked to have seen a song called "Naughty Karate" by local karate themed punk band Karate the Band. Would have been a great fit, and I guess that's our show. All right, yeah, see you next time. All right, I'm gonna make a note to myself to uh, write about the Warriors for our uh, yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. Uh,